0: Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah to His name. We praise you this morning, Jesus king of kings and lord of lords there's nothing impossible with you there's nothing impossible with you you said if we only believe we only have one job believe in the lord believe in his word believe what he has promised one job And it's the most important one we have. In fact, it even says that without faith, without believing in God, it's impossible to please him. There is nothing that will put a smile on God's face faster than us believing him when he says something. If he says that you are an overcomer, you are an overcomer. If he says that you are healed, you are healed. If he says that you are free, you are free. Our only thing, there's nothing we have to do except believe. Do you believe him this morning? Do you trust him this morning? I said, do you trust the Lord this morning? That's really, 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 really good because we're going to talk about trusting in God this morning one job guys he gave us one job and that is to believe him there's power see when you believe in something your actions will show it like if we just say we believe but that belief is never tested then do we really believe i don't know because it's never been tested do we believe that healing belongs to us Well, it'll be tested the next time we get sick or have pain in our body. There's the test. He's a great God. Like we don't sing these songs just to sing songs. The words aren't just words. There's power in what we say. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So, if you're just sitting through worship when we're here on Sunday morning, you're just listening and maybe you're swaying back and forth, but you're not saying anything. I'm not sure that's really worship. We need to open up our mouths and declare the greatness of our God. We must declare it out of our mouths. When you believe something, you're not afraid to talk about it. And the things that you're really passionate about, you're not afraid to talk about it. God is great, and he is greatly to be praised. And it's not like I've never been through anything difficult in my life. But I've never had to go through anything difficult or painful or challenging in my life alone. He is always with us. Let's get into the word this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, so much for your, your presence in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing, amazing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Well, it's a good day to be in church. It's a Sunday. Thank you. My trusty fan, I guess I am a little there. Hallelujah. It's so good to see all your smiling faces this morning. I don't know about you, but I look forward to Sundays. I look forward to being in the house of God and being with my family. And I'm just so... um, I was really moved during worship this morning. Um, Wisdom, when you were singing that song, that I was reminded that, first and foremost, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a worship leader. I'm not... um, A wife, I'm not a mom. First and foremost, I am a daughter of God. And that just reminded me this morning that I am who He says I am. Because I could get up here this morning and preach the worst message ever, and everybody can hate it. But you know what? I'll be okay. God still loves me. In my mind, I am His favorite. I know you said, Pastor Kaya when you were up here a couple weeks ago, that like you were his favorite, but I feel like we all should feel that way. I feel like God makes us all feel that way. You are his favorite too, okay? We are his favorites. I'm just saying it this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, I am Pastor Jenny Davis. Thank you for my one fan. Yes. I could always count on my sister Liz <laughs> to give me a shout out. But, um, I am Pastor Jenny Davis, and I am honored and privileged to be standing before you this morning uh, to deliver God's word, and I am so thankful to our pastors, Pastor John, Pastor Kaya, <laughs> for allowing me to stand before you guys this morning and deliver the word of God. We have some pretty great pastors around here. I know we say, you know, there's there are a lot of amazing pastors. There's a lot of amazing churches in our city, in the surrounding communities, but Again, I think ours is the best. There's a reason why we're TBCF, the best Christian, or the best, what is it? Uh, not the Building Christian Fellowship. I know that's what it stands for. The best church family. That's what I was trying to say. The best church family uh, with the best pastors and just the best, best leadership around. And I'm so privileged to be a part of that team and be a part of this community of people. Um, I'm also, it just hit me that my amazing husband, is standing in the back. I thought you were with the kids this morning. <laughs> um, I am married to a wonderful man, Pastor Lionel Davis. He's standing in the back in the Here We Grow shirt. Yes, 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 yes. I'm so thankful for him. I'm so thankful for the man of God that he is. I'm so thankful for um, children's ministries in church. Yes, we got some thankful parents this morning. They're like, yes, I get away from my kid for a couple of hours this morning. No. Um, <laughs> But, no, I'm really thankful, extra thankful, because that is how my husband came to church. Um, He came to church as a kid. um, The van or the bus would come into his community and pick up kids and bring them to church every Sunday morning. And I'm so thankful for him being connected um, at a young age. Um, It could almost make me emotional this morning to think about uh, those People that pour, I don't even know who they are, I don't know what their names are, but they they poured into him at a young age and he just knew. I don't know if he knew fully about salvation and all of that yet at that age, but there was something um, about the people that taught and the people that played with him and and organized events and things like that that just he saw something in them that he wanted. You know, a lot of the kids from his neighborhood didn't end up in the same situation, Um, some of them aren't even alive today. Some of them are in prison today. Some of them are are doing great, but the reality is I'm so thankful for the church, and I'm so thankful for the children's ministry. Um, This isn't necessarily wasn't meant to be a ploy to get you involved in the children's ministry, but man, what a rewarding place to serve in God's house, to be a part of um, the the life of a Lionel Davis, who one day is Um, down the road might be serving God might be a pastor at a church might be a giver in his church might be you know whatever the case might be might be an influencer in his community so um, I would just say if you have the opportunity get involved in children's ministry Amen? amen amen I am gonna move this up just a little There we go. And then my screen got smaller. Hold on here. Okay. How's everybody doing this morning? (laughs) You blessed? Yes. Amen. Amen. God is good. I want to start out uh, this morning reading a familiar set of scriptures. So if you could, you can look on the screen or you can turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 17 through 25. If anyone could grab me a couple of tissue, that would be amazing. Um, We're looking at Mark chapter 10. There it is. Okay. Starting with verse 17. Thank you so much. I'll just take the whole thing. (laughs) Mark 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, this is Jesus they're talking about, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I love that they included that. As if we didn't already know that Jesus loved him. Jesus loves everybody. Jesus is love. He is God. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, it's just like, you know, when you're about to say something hard to one of your kids. You know what I mean? And sometimes you have to remind them, now, mommy loves you. But... You're going to sit here until you finish your homework. You know what I mean? You're about to tell them something that you know they're not going to like. So you preface it with, you know I love you, but, and I feel like that's in a way why they they let us in on that. Like Jesus knows he's about to say something to this rich young man that says that he's not going to like. And so he loved him and he said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, that's not the end of it, take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, he clarified something here. He says, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Let's pray this morning. Father God, thank you so much for your word. God and I pray right now and ask that you would open up our hearts to receive your word today, God. Have your way in this building, in this place, God. Let your word uh, be easy to receive this morning, God, and let it change hearts and change lives in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. You know Jesus, He often spoke about money in the Bible. How many of you know we 've been on a series on generosity? You were prepared, maybe those of you, if you're first time here,'m sorry, you weren 't prepared, but we 're going to talk about money today. What? You're talking about money? Don't talk about my money. Don't talk about my pocketbook. don't talk, don't mess with my money right? Jesus often talked about money in the Bible, though, and if Jesus can talk about it, it's okay to talk about it in church, okay? The, things, the thing is, is that when Jesus talked about money, he wasn't really talking about it in a financial way. Let's go back, let's go back to what we've been talking about the last few weeks. And the first week that we talked, Pastor John did a message on it's all about the heart, right? Money isn't really what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about money. He's really talking about our hearts. It's all about the heart. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus isn't after our treasure. In fact, The Bible even tells us in John 10.10 that the devil, the enemy, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And if you look at at it in the Amplified, he says that you might have and enjoy life. I'm pretty sure that he was including money in that. Like, it's kind of hard to just enjoy your life without having some funds. Can I get an Amen. Like, I feel like people are afraid to amen, things like that. Oh, I'm not supposed to love money. I'm not supposed to. No, I mean, he gave us this earth for us to enjoy. The problem is, is that we need to check our hearts because he wanted to make sure that while money is important to our lives, that it's not more important to us than him. It's all about the heart. He said, Jesus said in this passage of Scripture in Mark 10 about the rich young ruler, he said, children, to the disciples afterwards, he said, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Because the problem is, is that we've got things out of order if we're trusting in riches. What What were we just declaring in worship? God, I trust you. But I trust my bank account a little bit more. It makes me feel happy and secure when there's money in there and all the bills are paid, then I'm at peace. But what happens when the money isn't in the bank account or a worldwide pandemic comes and messes with your livelihood? What an unfortunate thing or an uncertain thing to put our trust in. And then the second thing, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Um, The second thing or the second week, Pastor Kaya came, and she brought the fire like she always does. She always promises us she's not going to yell in her messages when she preaches, but we love it when she does, right? We we love it when Mama Kaya li- uh, yells at us. It's, it's good. It's that good kind of hurt, you know? My husband, when he gives me a massage, and I like, you know, tense up, he's like, does that hurt? I don't, you know, because he doesn't want to hurt me, and I'm like, it hurts, but it feels good. Like, do it again, you know? And that's when, when she's yelling at us, we're like, it hurts, but it feels good. Do it again. But she talked about what test, right? Where she talked about, you know, she's the favorite, uh, God's favorite, because she found out that the answers were in the back of the book. And was she learning anything along the way when she was just copying down the answers? No. But the only time... Listen, the only, if the only time you hear the church talk about money is when the church needs money, then we're just making money about financial stuff, and that's not what Jesus did. He always tied money back to our hearts. Malachi 3.10, we all know this from that message, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do Says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. I love what it says. Put me to the test. You know, the Lord, he, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? He warns us not to test him, except for right here in the Bible with our finances. He's like, go ahead, test me. Bring your tithes. See that I won't pour out a blessing on you. I dare you. A double dog dare you. Like, bring your tithe. You can trust me. We think sometimes, like, that we can out God in a way. It's like, okay, but if I give, then I'm going to have less. And so I'm going to be at some kind of detriment, as if God can't take care of us. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything, and I don't want to get ahead of myself this morning, but everything belongs to him. And we really think that that $300 we gave, that he can't take care of us. Third week, Pastor John came, and he posed a question to all of us that said am, for us to ask ourselves, am I generous? Again, having us look inside, look to our hearts to see where we're really at, and talked about how we're blessed to be a blessing. The reason that God blesses us financially, uh, with resources, with talents, with abilities, things like that. The reason he blesses us with those things is so that we can be a blessing to others. Oh, you guys, I can't wait to get deeper into this this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 in the NLT, it says this. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Listen, you might be thinking, I don't have a lot of extra money in my bank account. That doesn't prevent you from still being generous. We can be generous with things like our time. We can be generous with things like uh, resources that we might have, talents and abilities that we might have. You might have plumbing abilities, and there's a single woman in the church that needs help with their plumbing, that you could be generous of your time and help. There's lots of ways to be generous, not just having a big bank account. Jesus talked about money and possessions and giving in a way that made it um, a measure for us to be able to see where our faith is or our, a lack of faith. Like when we're willing to just give something away, that's probably a pretty good indicator that your faith is growing. You know, Pastor John talked about being like a, a colander, right? Right? where you pour, you got the noodles in there, and then you pour uh, or pour out the the pot of noodles in the water, and then the water comes splashing down to everything around it. And that's how we should live that when things come to us that like the overflow just sort of sprinkles out on everybody. We kind of call it like an open-handed life. I'm living an open-handed life. When things come into my hand, they might go out, but that just makes room for more to come in. But if we're so scared that if we live like that, we we tend to, like, be a a tight-fisted person. Like, I'm not sure I can really trust you fully, God, so I'm going to hold on to this. But then that also doesn't leave any opening or any room for him to give any more. We want to be open-handed givers. And the more open-handed we live, the better indication it is that our faith is growing in God. Remember, it's faith that pleases him. When we talk about money, it's not about growing the church finances. I promise you. Every person that stands up here and talks about generosity on Sundays or that has preached about it or taught on it in our church, we're not looking to grow the church finances. What we are looking to do is grow our faith. It's not about the finances. It's about our faith. Do I really trust God? And when I ask myself, am I generous, what I'm really asking myself is, do I really trust God? Do I really have faith in him? Because if I do, I'll trust him with every area of my life. Like, I can trust him with my salvation, but I'm not sure I can trust him with my, my finances. No, God can be trusted in all things. What you're going through right now might feel like a financial crisis, but I'm telling you, it may be a faith crisis. I believe this room is full, full of generous people. I I, I don't think there's one person in this room that, like, we watched it happen. We saw the video, right? We saw how people, even JR said, people here for the first time, they don't know who we are. They didn't know who Josh and Nadia were. They didn't know anything about the church, but they saw a need and it pulled on their heart. I believe this room is full of generous people. But there is this voice on the inside of us that's like, if I give this away, then maybe I won't have enough for myself, Or my family. And so I'm just going to hold on to it because I'm afraid. Fear is the opposite of faith. Are we supposed to live by faith or are we supposed to live by fear? I can't remember. Right. Hebrews 10, chapter 10, verse 38, it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Because God has pleasure in our faith, not when we draw back and we're afraid. He has pleasure in our faith every time we trust him. And then he wants to do more for us. It reminds me of, like, the little boy standing on the edge of the pool and his dad's in the pool saying, Come on, son, jump. I'm going to catch you. And he's nervous and biting his fingernails and he's scared to jump in because it's like, well, but what if you don't? And there's some of us like that little boy in our, with our hands in our purse or in our pocketbook or in our pocket and saying, well, I want to trust you, but what if you don't catch me? Right. Imani was never like that. She was never afraid of the water, which made me fully afraid as her mother. <laughs> like, it was like she thought that because she had seen someone else swim, she knew how to swim. Like, we took her at three years old to go to uh, Disney World, right? Crazy. We took her to Disney World at three years old. And honestly, she was more excited as much as she loves Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and all the things. And we stayed at a house that had a swimming pool. And all she wanted to do was swim in the swimming pool. Okay, like we spent all this money to go to Disney. We're not going to spend it in our pool at the house. But there were a few times we got to jump in the pool. And This is our first time because she came to live with us only like six weeks prior to that. So this is our first time being around water. And we're like, we have no idea if she knows anything about swimming. Probably not at three years old. And so all she wanted to do was jump in the water and swim around, but she kept sinking. Someone had to be there to catch her, right? And what was great was that she just immediately trusted that if she jumped in that water, that someone was going to catch her. Like, they didn't even have to be there when she went to jump in. She was just like, someone will catch me. Someone will get me before I, you know, go down to the bottom or whatever the case might be. Someone will catch me. Maybe that's why God told us that we need to become, like, children in order to enter the kingdom of God. Like, just that that carefree, like, I'm just going to trust you. I'm jumping in, God. I'm going to jump into the deep end. I'm not sure I know how to swim, but I know you'll catch me. Hebrews eleven six. we already kind of talked about that, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. It comes down to, we either believe what God says or we don't. Let's not pretend anymore. Let's not play the game anymore. Let's really take his word for what it is, truth, truth. How generous we are is directly related to how much we trust God. That's what it boils down to. If I'm a very generous person, that's evidence that I really trust God. I'm not worried about um, if I I lose my job. I'm not worried about where that tithe money is going to come back to me because I really kind of need it to take care of this or do that. Because I trust God enough. Showing generosity strengthens our faith. And when we use our resources to help others instead of helping ourselves, that requires us to have a dependency then on God, which is what we all need. Because I can't get into heaven on my own, I'm not good enough. You know what I mean? I feel like the rich, young ruler that was was his problem was that he felt like he was good enough on his own. And then when he realized that it was going to require him to give up everything, he was like, I'm not interested anymore. Generosity teaches us to trust God, and trusting God is the most important thing we do as believers. We're talking about generosity this morning, but in order to be generous... I feel like there's some foundation that we need to lay about trust. Let's talk about why we trust God and what trusting God really looks like. Because it doesn't mean that, okay, Jenny, I'm ready. I'm just going to come to the church. I'm going to sell everything that I have. I'm just going to throw it all on the altar and give it away. Nobody's talking about foolishness this morning, okay? We're talking about faith, all right? No one's asking you for all your stuff. That's that's not what we're here to talk about this morning. All we're asking for is your heart. Um, what does Jesus, what does trusting God really look like? Well, number one, okay, media, you can relax for a second because I didn't give you this portion of the message because I just felt like this morning to add it in because it was important. But what does trusting God look like? You're gonna have to take really good notes, okay, guys? It's not gonna be up on the screen. Number one, we trust his timing. God's timing is not always our timing, but the great thing is he knows the end from the beginning, and he knows the perfect time to meet that need. He knows the perfect amount of time that you need to buy in and fully trust him. And he'll, he'll let it go sometimes. When you think it's past time, like he's, he's late no, God's like, no, 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 I know the beginning from the end. Don't worry, I know how everything turns out in the end. And this is the perfect time. You know, a farmer plants a seed, because I, I know there's people in this room or somebody that's listening to this message this, this morning that's thinking, yeah, well, I've tried that before. Well, how long did you try that? Yeah. Do you know how long a farmer waits when they plant a seed They don't expect to see their crop the next day, the next week, the next month. Sometimes it's months before they see even a sprout. But you know what? The farmer knows it's coming. The farmer trusts that the harvest is going to come because he's planted the seed. He's watered the seed. He's protected the seed and pulled all the weeds from around it. The farmer's taking care of that word. Sometimes we got to take care of the seed that's being placed in our heart, the seed of God's word. Like, okay, God said he'd do this if I do that. So I'm doing this, what he said. And then when it doesn't happen next week, I'm watering that word by declaring it again. God said, he promised, listen, God promised me that I would be a mom. And you know how many years later it happened? Over two decades. Trusting God for two decades, that seems like God was late. But let me tell you, he knew the very perfect time. He knew every set of circumstances that were going to happen in my life. And he prevented me from a lot of heartache, but not giving it to me sooner. When I wanted it, he waited until the perfect time to give it to me. Mm. God is so good. Second Peter verses or chapter three verses eight and nine. It says, "Don't overlook the obvious." Here, friends, with God, one day is as good as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day. God isn't late with His promise, as some measure lateness. He is restraining Himself on account of you. Holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Do we trust God with his timing? Trust looks like we trust that he's good. You know, sometimes we think that God is up there like with a stick ready to beat us up every time we don't do something right. When we do something wrong, and God is not a mean God. He is a good God, and that's why sometimes he says no. Are you a good father if you say yes to giving your kids the keys to the car when they're 11 years old? When they're not ready, they're not prepared? Would he be a good God to bless you with winning the lottery and all that money at one time when you're not prepared with what to do with that money? Do you know how many people go bankrupt after they've won millions of dollars? They weren't ready. How many uh, athletes and superstars and different ones that all of a sudden they get all this money all at once and it ruins their lives? Is that a good father to give you something before you're ready? No. We have to trust that he's good. Matthew seven eleven. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And Psalms 84, 11, this is a big one for me that I repeated over and over again. says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You just keep doing what you're supposed to do. Stay on track. Trusting God looks like trusting that he's good. Trusting God, number three, looks like this. We trust that he is for us. God is not against you. He is for you. He never leaves you alone. No matter what you're going through, he's with you. He wants what's best for you. You're a parent. Those of you in the room that are parents, you want what's best for you for your kids. You are for them all the time. I remember my parents, man, they were supporters of my brother and I like no one else. I don't think either of them ever missed a game we ever played, a concert we ever did, a recital I was ever in. Anything that I ever did, for as long as they were physically able to do it, they were there. They gave me a great example. That's why, you know, honestly, I know it's got to be hard for some of us to trust God because we couldn't trust an earthly father. But I'm telling you, your heavenly father, he can be trusted and he is for you. It didn't matter that I chose to drop out of college. Just letting you all know, this is not an encouragement to anyone to drop out of college. But it didn't matter that I dropped out of college. My parents were like, okay, what's the plan now? We're going to help support you in what it is that you're going to do. Oh, you want to do ministry? Okay, we're a little nervous, but we're going to support you whatever you decide to do. Four, we trust that he knows what's best for us. He knows best. Just like I said, we trust his timing because we know that he sees it all and he knows when the best time is to bless us with whatever that thing is we're believing him for I love Daniel chapter 3 verse 18 that's the um, Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they said but even if he doesn't meaning even if God does not save us from this fiery furnace we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up God knows best if it means that I'm going to perish in this fire, well, God knows best. He knew that we needed to be in heaven. Whatever the case might be, whatever the situation, God knows best. Made me think of you, Pastor John. No matter what, when you're laying on that table, if he, he sees to take my life before I get my new heart, then God knows best. I know that's hard to say. And some of us have lost loved ones that we believed God would save or, or not take so early or whatever the case might be. But God knows best. Man, it sure takes a lot of weight off our shoulders when we give him the responsibility. He knows best. So the rich young ruler, he didn't understand that by giving away his treasures, that he'd be exchanging it for something even better. Even better. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And now I should be back on the uh, my notes. First Timothy chapter six, verses 17 through 19. It says, "Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable." Listen, money is here one day and gone the next. Sometimes it feels unfathomable when you have a lot of money sitting in the bank, and all of a sudden you realize, "Wait, it's it's gone." We weren't paying attention, and before we knew it, that extra that was sitting in there will be gone. The job could be gone tomorrow. That's just the reality of the business. Could be gone tomorrow. And then what? It's so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for, it, for our enjoyment. He, he wants you to enjoy life, remember? God is not up there saying, I want them to suffer all the time. I want them to struggle forever. That's not what he's up there doing. He just doesn't want our enjoyment in things to be more important to us than our enjoyment in him. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Verse 18, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, here's the key, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. In closing this morning, here's the bottom line that we all need to take a minute. Take a minute. This might be heavy. This is what we all need to absorb this morning, all of us. You know, I think sometimes we think that, you know, it's hard for people to uh, or preachers or pastors or whoever to talk about money in church because there's been so much uh, uh, fraud and infidelities with money and things like that. So much done wrong with money in the church. But I think that the problem is really the reason most people are uncomfortable talking about money is because the reality is, is that we all still struggle with uh, where we place money in our lives. We all have the test from time to time of, like, God just blessed me with this. What am I going to do when he says give it away? Like, we're all struggling with this. This is a part of human nature that we have to struggle at all times. But here's the bottom line this morning. And it'll help free you from however you think about finances, and that is this. None of it belongs to me. Wait a minute, Jenny. Like, I just worked 60 hours this week, and you're telling me it don't belong to me? Like, it was my blood, sweat, and tears that earned this money. None of it belongs to me. And let me tell you why that's good news, okay? Well, Let's, let's prove it here with God's word. Colossians 1.16, it says, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. And here's the key. Everything was created through him and for him. Everything you see and everything you don't see, he created through him and for him. Psalms 24 verse 1, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all of its people belong to him. He's the owner of everything. Again, you're saying, yeah, I get it, but I worked for this. Ah, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 17 and 18. I'm going to read it out of the message because it's very clear. If you start thinking to yourselves, I did all this. And all by myself, I'm rich. It's all mine. Well, think again. Remember that God, your God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all this wealth so as to confirm the covenant that he promised to your ancestors as it is today. Anything we've ever earned in our lives through our jobs or whatever, it's only because he gave us the ability to do that. He gave us the the brain to be able to learn how to do what it is that we do. He gave us the body and, and, and the functions of our limbs and things like that to be able to do and earn whatever we earn. So none of it really belongs to us. And I'm telling you, that's good news today because the pressure is off of you. When he asks us to give something, to give it away, and I'm not just talking about finances, Anything that he asks us to give of our time, of our talents, of our resources, whatever he asks us to give, it doesn't belong to me anyway. So it's pretty easy to let go of it because it's not mine. It never was mine, never will be mine. So why did Jesus, why did he ask the rich young ruler, to give everything he had away? And why did he make the point that it's hard for a rich person to enter his kingdom? The reality was this moment in time that we got to peek into through the book of Mark and the other gospels was a look at the rich young ruler's test. Everything he had done before this, remember we talked about what test, Pastor Kaya talked about that. Everything he had done before that, that was just practice. You know how he said he obeyed his parents. He did all the commandments. And he followed them all his life. And he thought he was passing test after test after test. But really, he'd already been given the answers, so he already knew what to do. And now he's standing before Jesus, the Savior of the world. And Jesus is telling him, okay, there's just one more thing. This is it. This is the ultimate test right here. And there's only one question on the test. I mean, did you love that or hate that when you were in school, when the test that you had only had one question on it? Like, there's the part of you that's like, oh, sweet. I don't, this isn't going to be long, some long, drawn-out test. I don't have to remember everything I ever learned. I just got to answer this one question. But then the other part of you was like, but if I get it wrong, immediately I'm failing. And he posed this question that's on this test for the rich young ruler. And he said, the question was, what do you trust in most? Do you trust in Jesus or your money and your possessions? And unfortunately, the rich young ruler at this point, we see that he makes the wrong choice. See, you can spend your life Building up your castle. You can buy the nice house, work really, really hard, so much so that you can't make it to church on Sundays, except once in a while. Can't you don't have time to serve in any of the ministries for sure. Don't even have time to spend doing homework with the kids, you're too busy working. So while you may be building your castle with nice houses and nice things, you might be losing some things that are even more valuable. And those possessions. You might be building up your bank account. My castle looks amazing from the street. You see how perfect my grass is, how green it is, how perfectly cut it is, how beautiful my flowers are in the front yard. See how my my house shines, my castle shines when the sun hits it at just the right angle. Pretty impressive, huh? But what are we going to see when we walk in the doors? A lot of us have pretty castles in an empty house. And the thing is, is that there are things that are more valuable than money. There are things that are more valuable than things. Our relationships. You know, you may not have the prettiest house on the block, but you might have the best relationship with your kids of anybody on the block. And what do you care about more? What's more valuable? So we can invest in building our castle, our pretty little castle. Or we can spend our life building up the kingdom. The kingdom of God. We can use what we've been given to build up our castle. And it's nothing wrong with having a nice house. And there's nothing wrong with having a nice yard and all of the things As long as those things aren't more, as long as your castle isn't more important than the kingdom. Jesus brought up money often, some say more than any other subject in the New Testament or in the Gospels. He talked about money more than anything else. In fact, they say in proportion to how many Sundays there are every year, there's 52 Sundays, right? There's 52 weeks in a year. Unless it's leap year and the day happens to fall on a Sunday, there'll be fifty-three. Okay, but if you, we we did, set up our sermons to match the things that Jesus, how much Jesus talked about everything, the thing that he talked about, we basically it would boil down to twenty Sundays we'd be talking about Monday or talking about money in a year. Almost half, a little bit less than half of the sermons would be about money. And we do a four-week series on it this year. And we don't even do it every year. Jesus brought up money often because he knew that money had a special kind of power. There was a special kind of power that it could have over us. And if, he, if we leave that unchecked, then it wouldn't lead to the kingdom of God being established here on earth. Jesus knew that the cares of this world would come and threaten our allegiance to God. And he knew that the, the key for us was always to keep him first. And here's the truth of the matter. Money is powerful. It is. He knew money would be an issue for us, and so he gave us giving as our weapon against it. Giving helps us keep Jesus first, where he belongs. I love this when I first heard it, but... And I don't remember where I first heard it, but it, we are never more like Jesus than when we're giving. You want to be like Jesus? Be a giver. Like, he literally gave his life, y'all. He literally, talk about giving everything. He was just asking the rich young ruler for, about his stuff. And he didn't even know that Jesus had way more stored up for him than what he could even give. But Jesus literally gave his life and everything he was, he gave it all up for us. Giving keeps us dependent on God. It keeps us from becoming entangled and tied down to the things and the ways and the systems of this world. It keeps our hearts tied to the kingdom of God. We live in the United States of America, but my heart is tied to the kingdom of God. I am a resident of the kingdom of God. Like I said before, we can choose to build our castle or we can choose to build the kingdom. We can choose to build this castle and one day leave it all behind. How sad is that? Eternity is much longer than these lives that we live on this earth. Some people are lucky to live 70, 80, 90 years on this earth, but eternity is forever. I can spend 50, 60 years of my life 70 years of my life building up my castle or I can spend that time building up the kingdom that I'm going to leave behind mind you in the next you know if you're 60 70 years old when you retire you're lucky if you have 10 20 years to enjoy but I have eternity to enjoy my life in the kingdom of heaven I'd rather build up that kingdom I don't want to be so attached to this world this world is not my home Thank God, because it's really bad down here. Seriously, thank God. Thank God, because this is the only hell I'm ever going to experience. Isn't that great? A a week ago or so, earlier this week, uh, was the anniversary of my mom's passing. It's been four years, and um, someone reminded me that I can honestly say that was probably like the worst day of my life when I lost my mom. Because she was great, you guys. I wish you could have met her. Then those of you that did, you know she was just great. And it's almost reminded me that like the worst day of my life was really was her best day. Who am I to be selfish? You know what I mean? Like, she's with Jesus. She's in heaven. My mom couldn't. She had Parkinson's disease, and she at the end, she couldn't even stand. She had to lay in a bed. And the moment she entered heaven to be with Jesus, she was dancing. She was running. She was enjoying all the things that she was unable to enjoy. You know, Imani is so sad that she never got to dance with Grandma. And so I wrote a poem when my mom died, you know, called Save save me a dance. And it was really for Imani because she wanted so bad to be able to dance. Imani loves to dance. She loves to play. She loves to run around just like any other little girl does. And my worst day, I just was reminded that was, was her best day. That's what I want. I, I want to enter the kingdom of heaven one day. And, and Jesus say to me, well done. Like that's all that matters. I get it. We get really distracted by the stuff going on in our world around us. It's hard not to. It's hard not to get weighed down by the cares of this life, but I'm telling you, don't let it don't let an empty bank account prevent you from being generous with your life. And I'm telling you, you reap the things that you sow. Like and sometimes you reap what you sown in one garden, you reap it in another garden. You know, to the person I was talking about earlier that says, well, I've tried it before. You know, I tried giving and, you know, I never saw any result from it. And it's like, because you were looking for money. You were looking in the wrong garden. Like, did you see that your relationship with your children was flourishing over here in this garden? Did you notice, like, what was going on over in this garden at your job where, where, You were getting the help that you needed finally or you were getting the extra work that you need to to make some more money. See, that's the problem is that sometimes the blessing looks like work. My husband, over and over again, he will tell you all the times that he is given sacrificially and all the times that he's given extravagantly, the way that the Lord almost 100% of the time rewards him is with more work but work that he wouldn't have had otherwise. And work translates to money. I'm just saying, if you work hard, you're blessed. I was going to say hard, but you'll be abundantly blessed. If you, the more abundant, the work is, the more abundantly blessed you are. <sighs> exactly. The hands of the diligent are blessed. Work is a blessing. Do you know how many people sit in disability because of things they cannot do and would love to be in your position. They'd love to be healthy enough to work 40 hours a week. Man, the things we look at sometimes. Your kids are driving you crazy. And there's the mom struggling or the the woman struggling with infertility who would just love to have one kid. Just one. You're blessed with four. I know it looks like work, but it's a blessing it's a blessing. Can we stand to your feet this morning? Let's give God some praise for his word. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, God, for your word. You're so good. You're so good to us. Hallelujah. Did anybody get anything out of this this morning? I pray you did. I pray you hear my heart. I pray you hear my heart today. You know, nobody's up here telling you, um, like I said before, to, to go sell all your belongings and give it all to the church. That's not what we're up here trying to get you to do. God is not asking most of us. I, I, I don't want to say all of us because there could be that one person. I don't know. But more than likely, God is not asking you to come and bring your entire treasure to the altar. But he might be here this morning asking you to be consistent with your tithing. He might be asking, you take that step of faith to trust me, Bring all your tithe to the storehouse. He might be here this morning. Um, Maybe he's not talking to you about all your treasure, but he might be talking to you about your time. He might be like those kids in children's ministry. They need you. There's another Lionel Davis sitting in there. There's another John Butcher sitting in there. There's another Raquel Johnson sitting in there. There's another Isabella Ruiz sitting in there. Would you give up your time? You know, like two hours once a month to serve in the children's ministry he might be talking to you about your time he might be talking to you about your treasure he might be saying remember that car that extra car you have sitting in the driveway that nobody's using anymore there's a young family that that needs a reliable vehicle but they don't have the finances for maybe you could not maybe let's give that car to them God may ask you for something that feels like a sacrifice. And he probably will at some point or another. And the question I have for you today is, do you trust him? Do you trust him to take care of you? If you're here this morning and you're like, okay, I'm hearing all about this, but I've never heard the Lord speak to me about something. I I don't know what you're talking about having this relationship with Jesus. If you're in this room this morning and you would like to start a relationship with Jesus Christ, you'd like to ask him to come into your heart and he can take over and you want to put the responsibility on him. If you're here this morning and you need Jesus and you'd like to ask him into your heart, would you raise your hand this morning? Is there anybody like that? You'd like to start a relationship today. All we want to do is come around you and help you do that. Is there anybody in the room? Did did I miss somebody? If I could have... intercessors, come on up. If that was you this morning, you'd like to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Would you come up so that we can pray with you? Like I said, we're not trying to embarrass anybody, but we want the opportunity to lead you in a prayer to ask Jesus into your heart. If you'd like salvation this morning, if you're here this morning and you'd like prayer because you've walked away from the Lord and you'd like to reconnect with him this morning, we ask you, come on up this morning. We will love, (laughs) praise God. We would love to pray with you this morning.